If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Okay, so VR then. And this was an interesting debate for me because, as you might be aware, I consider myself a VR enthusiast. Mm -hmm. I have several VR headsets. I've reviewed several VR games. I very much enjoy the VR experience. But I still don't actually believe that it'll ever be mainstream or the future of gaming. Hmm. What's your background with it? Have you played it at all? I have not. I have never played an actual VR game. Um, I have a few physical hurdles. I, I have prescription glasses, which uh, is very difficult to uh, put on a VR headset. I don't own a VR headset. And while I do know some people who have VR headsets, it, it's just never come up. I also wear glasses and have to wear them all the time, but most headsets are comfortable enough to wear with glasses these days. Oh, that's very nice to know. Uh, my my other physical hurdle is that I get terribly, terribly motion sick. Yeah, I did too at first. You have to get your VR legs. And I, I admit that's a bit of an ask. <laughs> yes. I mean, ideally, you, I'm saying like you put it on and be instantly sold. He says, wow, this is much more immersive than I thought. I am now a VR enthusiast too. But realistically, if you've never done anything like it before, you will throw up. <laughs> right, right. And that's always going to be the case. Which I suppose is one of the hurdles in the way of it becoming the future of gaming. I think another possibly most important hurdle uh, is that VR only really enhances a certain kind of a game. Your sort of direct simulation like a first-person shooter. That was a, a point that I had brought up but I couldn't necessarily elaborate on. Is, is in VR, you are locked into the first-person perspective. You have to be. Yeah, there have been VR games that have played with it. Like uh, there's a game called... What's it called? Moss, I think it's called. Okay. Where it's a sort of a platformer thing where you're this sort of omnipotent overseer and you're helping out a little mouse who's doing a sort of 2D platformer thing in front of you. Mm. But I don't think it necessarily enhances a 2D platformer with that. <laughs> it wouldn't enhance like a, a management sim or a real-time strategy game. Right. Unless you like the idea of being in a literal control booth hovering over the battlefield. Sure. Like I, I could see like a uh what was it like a papers please type game where you have to organize real papers on a real desk yeah but i also see that as kind of like a weird game because like you're sitting at a desk and then you have a virtual desk it, it's very weird to me vr in general it's yeah it's it's a bit of a mental adjustment i suppose I, I suppose, and I'll tell you, so I, I truly, this was, this was the first time I got to really lock onto something. I truly, truly do not believe VR is the future of gaming. Uh, I, I 100% think that eventually all uh, enthusiasm will fizzle out. I think it's always going to have an enthusiastic niche audience. It is a fundamentally better way to play an immersive experience like your Half-Life Alex in recent times. Sure, sure. But like, I I think eventually it's never because it's never going to get over that hurdle, even the enthusiast market will dry up, you know, because if if there's not the market for mainstream games, you're not going to have any super big studios develop anything unless they're trying to push their own hardware, a la Valve. Mm, 
and and then you're going to have a, a lack of games and that's going to eventually drain down the enthusiast market and the enthusiast market will dry up, which means less games. And I, I think it's the entire premise is too big of an ask. And well, it's true. Yes, VR is also only really suitable for 3D games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's plenty of good things that can still be done with 2D games. But um, technology, the barrier to entry for developing with like cutting edge graphics is continually getting lower. It was got a lot lower when they released tools like Unity and Unreal Development Kit 4. And I think it's only going to get easier. That's true. But that's, this, is a, this is an arts versus business, you know. I agree. Not everyone has the ability to develop on the cutting edge of graphics. But uh, VR doesn't necessarily need it. It doesn't, you know, like I think you can look at a game like Beat Saber, which is there. There's a handful of VR games that I really do want to play. And I think I would really enjoy Beat Saber. I like rhythm games. Yes, I have played Beat Saber and I can say it is a very invigorating experience <laughs> and uh, not a little good for getting your daily cardio in. Oh, sure. I, be- I believe it. You know what? Strap some uh, wrist weights on you. That's a full fledged workout right there. I do have a tendency to accidentally crack my knuckles on things in the room around me, but my room's more set up for sitting down VRing, and that's very much a stand-up game. Absolutely. And so, like, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, a game like Beat Saber, that's not going to be, that's not going to be, like, that's not pushing your graphics to the extreme. No, and also the appeal of that sort of thing extends better in a social setting, like your Guitar Heroes. Ooh, yeah, yeah. And VR is an inherently antisocial thing, which is one of the actual reasons I think it won't ever become mainstream. It's inherently antisocial and it's inherently non-casual. You can't just drop into it. (laughs) Agreed. A lot of people just uh, are fine with the setup where they could just turn on a screen and uh, get their mouse and keyboard out and do whatever they need to do. Which is why I don't think cyberspace is ever going to be a thing. You mean like like a, like like projections on walls, that sort of thing? I mean like your, your classic uh, Neuromancer-style thing where you plug on your VR headset or plug into your spine to enter a virtual world where you can do all your business and internet dealings. <laughs> That's never going to be a thing because most people would just prefer it to be on a TV screen in front of them so that at any point they can turn away and have a coffee or talk to their co-worker. And see, I, w- I would say, n- just knowing how inherently lazy people are and how much people love to sit down, I think more people would be willing to plug a thing into their brain than put on a VR headset, 100%. Probably. I mean, you probably have to have <laughs> undergone a couple of surgical procedures for that to work. Oh, sure. But, you know, that'll, like, that'll be like a, a half-hour procedure down at the Walmart. You plug a, an Ethernet cable into your head, and then you don't have to get off the couch but can still do fantastical things in video games that is the future of gaming yeah because i like vr a lot of vr things i've tried have like tried to make you want to do casual things in it as well they give you a little like virtual desktop environment Mm -hmm. where you can mess around with your computer files if you want or you can uh, use google maps go to google street view in vr Ooh, that's fun but i think vr for me is fine just as an immersive gaming technology. Mm -hmm. It's very good at enhancing an immersive gaming experience, and uh, that's why it's worth it. It's like like having an amusement ride in your house. (laughs) Having an amusement ride that can have so many different experiences. But there's a reason why nobody puts a roller coaster in their house to get around from the kitchen to the bathroom. (laughs) It's like having a roller coaster in your house that only has one seat in it. 
Yeah, for you. <laughs> for you. <laughs> and it's it's a seat that perfectly fits you. And if anyone else wants to ride your roller coaster, there's a ton of stuff that you need to fiddle with. Yeah. <laughs> that's really that's a very apt analogy. I really like that. It's it's a private roller coaster. Which is because uh, yeah, I always think that's a shame because I'm very enthusiastic about VR and after like a few hours session i'll go in the house and like try to engage my wife mm-hmm. who like i just had a great time in vr i had to i was uh, flying through the space and i was looking at all the stars and thinking i am really fucking immersed right now mm-hmm. and all she can do is smile and nod because the vr experience it's not really something you can share sure sure you gotta try it for yourself that's why all your arguments are invalid until you've tried it for yourself it's like trying to share like the the dream that you had, which is very real to you, but like explaining feelings to other people is very very difficult. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'll tell you one one of the the big things that I know we only touched on lightly because your your point is true that cost will eventually go down, but currently for a decent VR setup, it's expensive as hell. Yeah, as I say, that might change. There's always going to be the financial cost. There's always going to be the, I guess you'd call it labor cost of having to plug everything in and stick it on your head and make sure it's all lined up. And Oh, yeah. That's probably, if you like, if you feel like gaming now, it's going to feel like too much of a faff a lot of the time. <laughs> oh, right. Like sometimes, sometimes I'll, I'll not play a game just because I know like playing it alone, like, oh, I need like an hour to play that. So I can't play that now. I only have 15 minutes. What can I play in 15 minutes that'll boot up fast? I can get a game in, you know, like Rocket League. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can boot up Rocket League, get a game done in 10 minutes. But for VR, that that's like a that's like you have to schedule time in your day. Yeah. If I just want to do stuff with my hands to like kill time. I'm likely to put on like a retro shooter, like I'll play some Quake or some uh, some Blood or one of those new retro style shooters, because I know I can just drop into that without having to skip past 18 company idents. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think before we even talk about VR becoming mainstream popular, VR needs to be a thing with no wires attached that's just sitting on a, next to you on the couch that you can just go, oh, I feel like playing VR, pick it up, plonk on head, away you go. It needs to be that before we can start talking about taking over the world (laughs) yes yeah you know battery powered uh wireless connections and it cannot in my opinion at least it cannot strap to your head like if, if it's a pair of like industrial goggles that can still rest on your ears and nose i think we're in we're in the clear but the second you have something strapped to your head i think i mean and maybe that's just me i have like a, a bit of a, a dermal claustrophobia where it's really tough for me like i i don't wear my wedding ring because it feels like it's choking me huh uh, i can't wear watches uh you know because like it, it feels like like it's uh, suffocating me and so that this could be just a me thing but the idea of strapping something to your head is so weird that does sound like it's probably just a you thing it could, it could be but i want to say other people are there with me right 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 comments <laughs> comments <laughs> i i've never had a problem with strapping something to my head i mean i wear glasses yeah i mean i guess it's not the same thing i'm I wear glasses and currently I am wearing a headset to talk to you and it's, it doesn't feel that much different sticking a VR headset on. 
Have you ever worn like sports glasses, like the glasses that, you know, you, you put the little rubber band on the back of your head? I have, yes. And like that's that's not as comfortable. <laughs> it's not as comfortable as re- regular glasses sit. Yeah. The strapping and sitting are two very different things. Yeah. That sounds like a really bad rap album. <laughs> yeah. Strapping and sitting. Another title for your uh, Western Dungeons and Dragons thing, perhaps. Ooh, strapping and sitting. Yeah, that was strapping. Uh, <laughs> well, the Valve Index, which I've been using most recently, that kind of feels more like it sits on your head rather than is strapped to it. Okay. But there's still a thing going behind your head, but there's like a thing going over the top of your head as well. What You know what I really like about the, the new Valve Index, or, or what, you know, what... I, I like the looks of is the the knuckles controllers those work pretty well they're a little bit awkward for a larger handed gentleman like myself mm-hmm. uh, i have difficulty bending my thumbs down to press the start buttons sure but they're pretty good for what they're doing the immersion hand tracking in game i lo- i think that's the the smartest idea is you know the ability to still have the controller in your hand but not physically grip it that's uh, such a smart call yeah because uh, they've got the strap running along the hand that binds the thing to your hand. So you can actually throw things in VR, which was always a problem with my old Oculus Touch controllers. <laughs> you had to physically stop your hand from letting go of the controller? Yeah, you have to sort of release with some of your fingers, but not all of them. Oh, that's how they did it before? Yeah. And with the Valve Index, you can just release all your fingers. You, just, you can go nuts. Oh, that sounds. That does sound great. And- you know, there are, there are certain games, you know, your Half-Life Alex I know, is, is getting all the rave reviews. Boneworks, I really want to try. Beat Saber, that, uh, what's the, the one where you're like a gladiator? I always forget the name of it, like Sorcerers and... Is it? Mm. Is that Gore? Oh, Gore looks very good. There's there's one in particular. I think I know the one you mean. It's it's called like like Sorcerers and Sandals or something. And it's, it's, like, an, it's like a old arena fighting pit. And... Yeah, I don't think I've played that one. Because um, it has a tons of mods. Yeah, so that's the problem with the uh, melee combat in VR. Because mm. that's unlike using a gun, melee combat sort of depends on the physical strength of the user, and that's a, I guess it's an accessibility issue, which I assume is why there wasn't much melee combat or indeed any melee combat in Half Life Alex. It's all guns. Because mm-hmm. in Boneworks, there's uh, plenty of melee, but you have to physically swing something with your hands with enough speed to hit something for sufficient impact sure sure and i like the the other thing about that is is and you know this is coming from someone who has not tried vr but as an outsider i definitely question the immersive value of any melee combat when your hand keeps going but your virtual hand stops yeah i thought the same thing about um, the old motion controls your your wii modes mm-hmm. and that was the case with that but somehow in vr because it's got all that immersion working already immersing you through like your eyes and ears somehow it works maybe your brain is sort of unconsciously going along with what it's seeing so your hands just stop and you accept that well having said that it does feel a bit wonky if you're trying to wield like a two-handed thing in vr when your two controllers aren't connected sure you you're tricking yourself i mean that's why half-life alex which is like the that's like the culmination of VR games at this point. It's all the lessons piled into one huge, great game. And that learned the lesson, the two-handed guns, they just don't really work in VR. With, um, with If you had like two controllers that could like slot together oh, into a sort yeah, of yeah. Tommy gun arrangement, <laughs> it might work. But when your hands are just like free-floating, it's really hard to aim this virtual object mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know what? I was I was streaming that with Nick. Nick was streaming half like Fat Alex, and I saw that he had a one-handed shotgun. Yeah, all the guns are one-handed. My first response is bullshit. <laughs> That's a thing, surely. One-handed shotguns? That's how you fire sawn-off shotguns, I, isn't it? I mean, you can use shotguns one-handed, but that's not a shotgun then, you know. <laughs> That's a that's a different thing. Well, what is it if it's a shotgun? If it fires shot like a shotgun does, but you hold it in one hand, right? What is what is that? I, I guess in my head, part of the thing that makes a shotgun so powerful is the need to have to hold on to it with two hands, right? Right. It's that awesome kachunk. Yes. Yeah, the pump action Ooh. that people like to mime. Dang yes, because it does feel pretty badass. <laughs> the Kachunk—that's the name of this podcast from now on. Welcome to the Kachunk. Yeah, I guess Half-Life Alex's weapons are lacking a certain Kachunk. Although Boneworks' weapons were kind of Kachunky at times. That's what I—that's what I keep hearing—is that they—they they really concentrated on the guns there. They are—they are very Kachunky. <laughs> I mean, in in Alex, you you get your you got your pistol, mm. you get your clip. You move your clip close to the base of the pistol and it just sort of slides in and it feels a bit foamy, a bit nerfy. Sure. But with Boneworks, like the clip feels like hard. You can feel it slide in with a satisfying action and then you have to pull back on the slide at the top Ooh. and that feels badass. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, get the clip, ka-chunk, ka-chunk, cha-chack. Ooh, and then point it. and shoot at the encroaching baddie and it feels badass. I, I hate to be uh, a pedantic person here, Yahtzee, but uh, if I don't say something, uh, all the comments will. Uh, the, the metal thing that holds all the bullets uh, is called a magazine. Oh, fuck you. It's, <laughs> it's, all, this always happens. Every time I'm I very, say very clip, sorry. there's some know-it-all in the comments going, Actually, it's called a magazine. If it's a plastic housing surrounding your bullet, it's a clip if it's just a strip of bullet, like what you load a bolt-action rifle with. Right, or or you could use a clip to load a magazine. I I hate I'm I'm a, I'm slightly a, a gun person, uh, and so I have to I just have to call that. I I don't want to be the kind of person that's like actually Frankenstein's the name of the doctor, but I feel like that's something you would say to me, so I got to say it to you. Language evolves. <laughs> very few guns actually use clips these days. That's very so true. maybe clip can just be a word that also means magazine now. In Doom, when you picked up something that looked like a magazine, the text would say, you picked up a clip, and I don't think you want to be calling Doom a liar. <gasps> oh shit, was it? Yeah, pick up a pistol-like magazine, it would say, you picked up a clip. Mm. Well, well, like I said, a, a lot of times clips can be used to reload magazines, so, you know, that could have you could have just been picking up a clip that you would then have to put into a magazine later. No, it was definitely a um, magazine. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, n- we can't say anything bad about Doom ever. Of course not. Well, we already did that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, shit. That's right. We did. Uh, so, yeah. So, VR. Yeah. So, VR. I, I suppose, like, you know, the the thing for me is I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting for two more games. Okay. Like, right now, I have four games that I want to play. Beat Saber, Half-Life Alex, Boneworks and the and and the sword and sorcery whatever that game is okay well there's a there's fuck tons of uh vr games available if you go looking oh yeah and i i i 
scrounge occasionally and you know a lot of them get middling reviews a lot of them you know are very short experiences and so i'm yeah a lot of a lot of vr games are doing that thing that always happens when you've got a new technology is that the first uh like a few generations games are just sort of like experiences yeah <laughs> experimenting with the technology like what um games were when cd-roms first became a thing and every game was suddenly like full of really shittily compressed video files. Yes. <laughs> but I think at the moment, things are transitioning to actually serious games rather than just experiences that are supposed to blow your mind because you can pick up a banana. Can you believe it? You can pick up that banana. Like, pick it up right, pick it right up. It's just sitting there. I mean, if you remember, if you ever played Shenmue on the Dreamcast, they included code in that game where you could pick up a piece of fruit and hold it in front of you and turn it around in your hand because you were just supposed to be blown away that you could do this with 3d graphics and that's the only reason for it <laughs> you know first of all games still do that uh like I'm, I'm remembering what was the ps4 um really short uh werewolf hunting game um oh, oh um the the order 1886 right do you remember that like they just had extensive sequences where you could just look at how glossy everything was <laughs> yeah i remember saying order 1886 felt like a launch title for the console even though it came out several years after the console first came out that's exactly what it was but I guess, like, my, my greater VR point is I feel like once there is a, a handful, and, and for me, I'm just waiting on two more must-have games, right. then I can start putting away money and actually invest in a nice VR headset. Sure. And so, and, and I know that's, like, a bit of a circle logic because, you know, if, if you don't have it, then, you know, there's not the player base, so the developers won't make anything, and then you won't have your games. And so, so it's a bit of a circle logic, but I'm, I'm waiting. Well, you are presently working for a video game review site. Absolutely. And you are presently talking in a public forum. Mm. So you could hypothetically at this point say, boy, I'd be re I'm ready to be convinced on VR if only I could afford a headset from one of you generous PR people. And you could you could theoretically get sent one. If only there were a way, but I, obviously there's just no way for me to say that without without it coming across wrong and so i'll just have to wait i guess i'll just have to wait to talk about vr yes you'll just have to wait before you can praise it to the high heavens <laughs> especially whatever generous publisher gave you one i mean i mean right if, if if especially if i could use like the the newest latest technology and talk about how vr has grown and really turned me a vr skeptic into someone ready to proselytize to the masses then well i I wouldn't hold out hope on getting a free index. They already sent us two. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> that's true. You know, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine here. Everything's fine all the time. Yeah, that's why it's uh, <laughs> niche, I guess, because uh, as you say, it's expensive. It is. Well, and you know, you, you want. I think most consumers want the best experience for the cheapest amount of money, and you have to look at the mid-tier everything. And you have, you know, the best of the best, the the new, the Valve Index, which is very good. I know the uh, the Vive, is that the, the Facebook one? Yeah, the, uh, the HTC Vive. Yeah, the HTC Vive, like doing some very exciting stuff, especially like they're getting rid of like the room sensors, right? I hope so, because the Valve Index has them. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they are just... They are part of the arse of setting up VR. <laughs> I mean, to make sure you got them all. Because if I leave them plugged in, they make a sort of high-pitched whining noise that gets on my nerves. Oh, do they? So I have to unplug them all when I'm finished. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, and so I, I know, like, they, they keep making strides. And, you know, eventually we'll get there. But then you don't want... 
you don't want the the cheap version, right? Because if you get the cheap version, then that's just going to dull the experience. If you want the cheap version, you can print out a cardboard thing you can slot your phone into. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's You know what? I, I honestly have an old enough phone that I can't. My phone's too little. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense that the Valve made a new Half-Life game for just vr because the target audience for vr is essentially the tech nerds at the moment absolutely the the pc master race the ones with too much disposable income who want the best gaming experiences around absolutely and, and who constantly uh reposts where's half-life 3 memes absolutely yeah exactly it's the exact same audience that half-life specifically <laughs> caters to the PC master race the tech nerds yes yes oh sure there have been console ports of half-life but none of them count. No. <laughs> Half-Life is a game about a tech nerd fighting evil tech nerds in the future. It is a 100% tech nerd experience. The the dorky scientist is the badass hero. That's the exact escapism we all wanted. Who beats up all the jock soldiers who are just trying to kill us because they're jerks. <laughs> no commentary there, right? No commentary whatsoever. Well, and so like... I guess, I guess you know, if, if you think about that, if you think about, you know, Valve has put a lot of resources into a pool that doesn't have a lot of customers, right? Yeah, but uh, that's the thing with the niche. If you don't need 20,000 customers to make money from a niche, you just sell what customers you have, extremely expensive objects. Mm-hmm. And what are they going to do? Go somewhere else? It's a niche. <laughs> Well, but why then why aren't HTC or Facebook with their, you know, billions and billions of dollars, why aren't they pumping money into game development to help sell their consoles? Or are they and they're not done yet? Well, we don't know because they're not done yet. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It is a bit of, it is a lot of work. There's, there's no easy money in making a good VR experience, I suppose. I mean, well, now that we're out of the experimental phase and people demand actual games in VR... Turns out making them is kind of complicated. I I would 100% believe that. It's not like Flappy Bird where you can knock out 12 of them in a day. (laughs) Maybe that's the other thing we need is, you know, Flappy Bird, Flappy Bird and like Angry Birds, right? They came at kind of the upward boom of the micro developer, right? Just someone who came across game development software and made a cheap, quick thing and it turned out to be huge yeah this comes and goes we used to call it bedroom programming it was a big thing in back in the days of early early uh, home computers Mm -hmm. the the commodore 64s the spectrums the bbc micros back when you could just be a dude making a game in his bedroom and just mailing out a cassette tape to a game publisher and could get a full-on boxed release in stores just doing that well now you can upload it to the app store yourself you don't even need you don't even need it to mail a cassette anywhere yeah but there's a pretty uh strong distinction between the triple a big money games oh absolutely and the uh indie developed low budget games and back in those days everything was uh the whole market was up for grabs right and if you're talking if you're talking vr like i want to say even valve's numbers is that under one percent of steam users are vr capable yeah of course, that's still quite a lot of people going by the number of Steam users. Oh, sure, that's still quite a lot of people. But but if you're if you're just hoping to you know sell a, a game to make money, you're not looking to VR. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's not you're not going to attract your Flappy Bird developers to that. <laughs> I mean, for one thing, Flappy Bird and Angry Birds and everything else that has birds in it benefits from being uh, casual. That's true. That's why it was so popular. You could just download it in an instant and be fiddling with it on your phone on the bus. 
And as we said, VR is the antithesis of casual gaming. <laughs> I think that's that's the real point. I, I feel like like you know, pr- price can come down, technology can get lighter and more comfortable, but something that can never change about VR, as we currently know it, is its isolationist qualities. Yeah, I think people just feel uneasy about playing something that demands all of your attention. You can't listen to a podcast in the background you can't have another have the tv on in the background and be half watching the great british bake-off <laughs> people might feel paranoid people might just feel unsafe when they can't see or hear what's going on around them people could be like burgling their house and they'd never know Ooh, that's that's actually a, a very good point not like you don't make good points all the time i'm just saying i didn't specifically feel i, did, I st- specifically didn't think of that one where I, I wonder how much just like uh, psychology plays in into play of this, of just people not wanting to shut themselves off from the world. I think that might be a, a bigger factor than you might think. Of course, the, uh, the, the valve index, the earpieces, they're speakers that hover just above your ears. They're not headphones. Oh, OK. So you can still hear what's going on in the room. You have to make sure the room's quiet. Sure. And does the index have a, a front facing camera for like augmented reality stuff as well? I think it does, yes. I, I mean, I know Alex doesn't use that, but... No, no I haven't used it, but uh, uh, I remember seeing options for it in the, like, the interface. So I think it does. And like a front-facing camera, augmented reality stuff, that's the kind of thing that might interest like a strategy game player. Oh, absolutely. They could see the battlefield outlined in front of them and they could just reach over and, and uh, move the soldiers around. Exactly. Or Or even, you know what, even for group experiences, like, you know, let's assume headsets are very cheap and they're all wireless now right you know thinking of our current situation where everyone is self-isolating and we're not allowed to say get together for a board game night wouldn't that be phenomenal a a virtual board game night yeah where everyone has the board game on their table (laughs) on their kitchen table yeah and everyone's represented by a a cyber avatar (laughs) that's how cyberspace happens augmented reality and, uh, you know, that might be, I feel like that might either lead to VR morphing into the, the cyber reality, or that might be augmented reality is the future of gaming, possibly. Well, yeah. We don't know. So VR is one thing, but things will only start moving when Google brings out a version of Google Glasses you can wear without looking like a complete bellend. Because <laughs> I get you don't want the sort of thing that people can't tell you're wearing Google Glasses because uh, there's a privacy issue and they want to advertise their product. But going around when Google Glasses are rare and expensive and openly wearing them just feels like you're holding up a big sign saying, please mug me. <laughs> oh, I guess it depends where you live. <laughs> it, it does depend where you live. I, I think the bigger problem, like once people, you know, stop taking Google Glasses into the bathroom with them, that that was the, the bigger problem for me. Yeah. <laughs> Is we get it, you're a tech enthusiast, but stop live streaming in the bathroom. If you could for five minutes, stay out of the bathroom. Well, if it was if it was like a mainstream tech, they could build Google Glass cancelling fields and put Ooh. over certain environments. But now we're speculating about science fiction. And and yeah, I guess you know to to me, I rather than strap something to my head, I would I would love more um, you know a holodeck simulator. And obviously, we're not going to get that anytime soon. But even even put me in a box. Yeah. 
you know, even put me in a box and I can still have my controllers and I can still see all around me. I have projectors going on all four sides, all five sides of the box, not the floor. That, that to me, could be more fun. Yeah. Feels like magic glasses would be the simpler solution. Though. There we go. So, yes, thank you, everyone, for listening to the show that comes after Slightly Civil War. I hope that wasn't too rambly for you. We were kind of skating around a couple of points there. You know, it's a podcast. I think people are used to rambling. All right. Just, yeah, this isn't fucking Prime Minister's Questions time. Just listen to it in a casual environment and imagine we're your bros and we're just bullshitting. There you go. There you go. Get all parasocial with it. Yeah. You can only imagine that uh, we're bros, obviously, because uh, we presumably will not be able to stand you if we ever meet you in real life. You know, it, it depends. There's a lot of factors that go into it. But usually, you know, we're, we're busy people. Yes, safe to assume I hate your guts. <laughs> that's, that's how you want to end it right there. Yeah, that's how we want to leave people feeling. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hate your guts. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And that was the show that comes after Slightly Civil War. I was Jack Packer. That was Yahtzee Croshaw. If you came across this and not the episode, make sure to check out our episode on whether or not VR gaming is the future of gaming over at escapistmagazine.com. And you can listen to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or possibly some other podcast places. We don't know, but uh, search under The Escapist. And that's, that's all the information I have.